All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. This is going to be a, uh, a good one. I'm really excited to talk about this. We've been going over keys to prayer, and I've had a few people kind of chime in. And, you know, I think that this is more than just prayer because, again, it is it is key. The thing, if you go back and listen to the other podcasts, we've been talking about keys to prayer. Five keys to answered prayer has been kind of the uh, series, the focus. But it's more than just keys to prayer. These are just fundamental keys, fundamental truths, foundations uh, in your Christian walk. You know, the last podcast we talked about authority. And this one, I'm super excited because I, I something so simple in Scripture that we're going to talk about that is so clear and so easy, but for some reason, a lot of people do not do. And I also, with me this time, I got Tanner. He's going to be joining us once again. What up, what up, guys? <laughs> Y'all, I'm excited. You know what? I just want to say, I just bind Satan. You know, I, I don't want anybody listening to this. If you're going through something today, if you're if something's coming against you, not something, someone, Satan, any demonic thing coming against you, I just bind it. I take it captive right now. And at the sound of my voice, I break every stronghold in Jesus' name. I break it off of my mind. I break any I just want to stand in the position of Christ. Like Jesus said, there is no hooks that you have in me, Satan. Amen. And so we just declare that Satan, you have no hook inside of us. You have no foothold inside of us. We just uh, break that bondage off right now in Jesus' name. And I ask for the anointing of God to come. You know, the, this podcast, we want to have fun, and we do. And he, Tanner's a pretty funny guy. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm funny to some people. and Funny looking. Funny in a, in, in a weird way. But uh, I just, the word of God will change your life forever. If you receive it, if you hear this. I believe 100% because I've seen it happen in my life. You know, I'm not preaching to you something that's just theory that we just pulled out of a book and and just ethereal, non-tested facts. There are so many things that I preach that I stand on that I don't care who you are. I mean, you could be the biggest pastor with the biggest church in the entire you know United States of America and come to me and tell me you're wrong. And I will tell you that... There's just no convincing me because I've seen God do it in my life. I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen God do, uh, provide. I've seen God bless us. I've seen my life in one calendar year, even financially, supernaturally, God double you know, the income of my family in one calendar year. That me and my life, me and my wife, the first several years of ministry, we didn't understand the message of faith. I didn't understand these things that, that I'm teaching to you. They weren't taught to me. And I'm telling you that it works. And nobody can convince me otherwise because I've seen it work for me. And I know that God is not a respecter of persons. If, if it worked for me, God did it for me. And it says so in his word, he will also do it for you. And so I'm so excited. I'm telling you right now, this is the last day that you have to live captive to anything that Satan has put on your life. Amen. This is the last day you have to live in bondage to poverty. This is the last day that you have to live in, in bondage to sin. This can be broken off of your life right now. And from this point forward, after today, you know, you can walk as a new creation in the fullness of what God has for you in your life. 
Uh, and, and I hope that through these things that we can, I can help you. Me and Tanner can help you do that. You know, a lot of people, it's not that they don't love God. It's not that their hearts aren't pure and genuine. They just genuinely don't know. You know, people suffer. People perish for a lack of vision. People perish for a lack of revelation. People perish for a lack of understanding. And God wants you to understand. You know, it's not that a lot of people, their problem is, it's not that they wouldn't accept the full truth, the, tr- the full word of God. It's that it's never really been brought up to them or taught to them. It's different than anything they've ever heard. And so I, we've personally seen, uh, and, and it just continues to happen, this message of faith, the true message of the gospel, of the Bible, going into people's lives and, and changing everything. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, and this is what we'll get into today. The Bible doesn't just, and Jesus doesn't just, secure you a place in heaven. The Bible influences your life on this earth. The Bible, the word of God, following Christ, brings great benefit and blessing to your life on planet earth. And a lot of people maybe heard that, they think that, but they don't know that. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that today. But again, this is super exciting for me because I'm going to give you a very practical step this morning on on what you need to do, whether you're not a Christian or whether you are a Christian, this is a step that you need to take. I'm going to break down two steps. One thing we're very familiar with and one thing that people miss the mark so much on and it'll make so much sense to you. So let me go ahead and get into this. This is John 15, 1 through 8. John 15, 1 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. I'm going to tell you, I mean, I'll just stop right there that it is absolutely God's will for you to be fruitful in your life. Amen. That if there comes a moment, and that's the thing, is that you're not supposed to be fruitful, and then when you get 65, you retire, and you just kind of live and exist. If you are alive and breathing, and you belong to Christ, something is wrong if you are not constantly increasing in your life. If your life is not constantly increasing in every way, spiritually, financially, uh, you know, your house, your home, your work, whatever you're putting your hand to, if it's not producing fruit, then something's wrong. Because Jesus said, every branch that belongs to me will produce fruit. And the branches that do produce fruit, he says that he prunes them so they will produce even more fruit. So this is the thing. God is constantly trying to prune you. Uh, You look at your life and you're like, man, like me, I look back at the last one calendar year and I'm like, God has done so much. God has done so much. So I get to keep all the fruit that I have, and he's constantly pruning my life, refining me, uh, chiseling me, forming me so that I can increase and multiply more and more and more. Are we good with that? Is it? Okay. I don't know if I'm going to. Let's see. That won't affect anything. All right. Cool. All right. Let's keep going with this. Verse three, 
He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. I'm telling y'all, man, when our life is lacking, it's not Jesus's fault. That's the thing is that I really want people to start taking responsibility. I know we live in a time and a generation where everybody just wants to blame somebody else for what they don't have in their life. You know, people say, you know, the women's movement comes up and says, well, we don't have, we're not wealthier and we're not in higher places of power because there's, there's not equal rights. Our people are saying that racism is still a thing. I'm telling you, we need to stop blaming everybody else for what we're lacking in our life. You see Christians do the same thing. They're like, well, I am remaining in Christ and I'm still not, I'm still not seeing it. I'm still not. No, then you're not, then there's something that's not connecting because Jesus said, those who remain in me and I am them will, W-I-L-L, not maybe, will produce much, not, not even a little bit. If you truly are remaining in Christ, we're going to look at what, what, remaining in Christ means, you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. This is what I want you to see, and this ties it as being a part of five keys to answered prayer. Verse seven, but if right? What is if? I'm going to tell you, if means that you have a responsibility. Not God doesn't say, but if I decide, but if I do this, if you, it, the responsibility is on me and it is on you. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask me for anything you want and it will be granted. Y'all, that ain't the people. People will get so mad if you simply just repeat. If I were to stand up and preach a message and say, "Anybody in here, whatever you want, you just need to." I hear Joel Olstein do it, and people start commenting and, and bashing him and saying that is so wrong. That's of the world. That's demonic. That you could stand up there and say, "Ask God for the things that you want." God, you, you know, like that's like that's a sick and twisted thing. That came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask. You may. You have permission to ask for anything you want. And Jesus said, it will be granted. In verse 8, and when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So here's the key. (coughs) Excuse me. Here's the key here. If we remain in him, Jesus said we could ask for anything we want and we will be granted. So the key here is, what does it mean to remain? Apparently, if I remain in him, whatever he meant by remaining in him, in that is the key to having this access where he said we could pray and ask for anything that we want and it would be granted. What did Jesus mean when he said, remain in me? 
We just read through John 15, 1 through 8, and he said that word many times, remain in me, remain in me. Another translation says, abide in me. What did Jesus mean when he said that? What was he talking? How do I remain in Christ? How do you remain in Christ? You know, the Bible gives us answers. You don't have to wonder that. That doesn't have to be a question mark. Jesus said this. I want to show you verse 7. He gives us a key in verse 7 of John 15 and in verse 10. I want you to see this here. If you have your Bible, look at it. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. My words. Jesus said, "My." he connected remaining in his words to remaining in him. Look at verse 10. Jesus said this. He puts it out there just black and white. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. So Jesus said the way that we remain in him is not just saying, oh, I have faith. It's not just saying, well, I said the sinner's prayer. It's not just saying, I'm a Christian. The way that we remain in him is when we obey the word of God and we remain in the words that he has given us. What is the words that he has given us? The Bible, the word of God. I'm going to, I want to break this down even more for you a little bit here. Okay. There is a difference between coming and remaining. A lot of people understand what it means to come to Christ. We get that. Uh, But here's the disconnect is that there's two decisions that every believer has to make right in the beginning, right off the bat. There's two decisions, but we don't talk about two decisions. Most churches only preach one decision, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the first step. But immediately after that, or I'll even say not even after, simultaneously with that one decision follows immediately another decision. Whether you're going to be somebody that just comes to Christ or you're going to be somebody that does what Jesus said and remains in Christ. There's a lot of people that come to Jesus, but a lot of people don't remain in Jesus. Okay? And again, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? I'm going to break this down even more. Remaining in His Word. So there's two decisions. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an illustration here. Say we're at church. And we're having a meeting. There's two new visitors, two people. Uh, they both have different backgrounds. They're both not saved. They both don't know Jesus at all whatsoever. Okay, the Holy Spirit shows up in the service. These two, two people get touched by God, get impacted by God. And God's moving on their heart. We give an altar call. They both walk up. They hear the same message. They respond to the same altar call. They repeat the same prayer. They have the same encounter with God. Okay? Five years later, we look at these two people. One of the one person, say the person on the left, we look at his life, and in five years from that decision, he's bound in drug addiction. You look at his life and he's not going to church. He's not following Jesus. He's bound in drug addiction. He's lost his job. He's lost his family. Everything's fallen apart from him. He looks up at the path that he's on and he can't even, he doesn't even know how he got so far away. You look at the other person on the right side. Five years, same time frame. This person now on the right side, you look at them and they're blessed. 
that they're starting to pass. Maybe they just got a, a, a job opportunity to start pastoring in the church that they got saved in. And, and God's blessing their finances. God's blessing their family. God's blessing everything that they put their hand to. The favor of God is on their life. The blessing of God is on their life. That the Lord is just using them in a powerful, powerful way. What is the difference between those two people? They both got saved. They both had the same encounter. What happened? What was the separator between those two people? The person on the left made one decision. The person on the right made two decisions. The person on the left said, okay, I have this encounter with God. I have this encounter with Jesus. I got saved. Oh man, I, you know, I really felt him and God moved and I felt God's spirit and they were crying and they're weeping at the altar, all those great things, which are, which are wonderful. But then they still said, okay, even though I've had this experience, you know, I, I'm going to just, they try to live off of that experience. The person on the left that five years from the day ended up back in drug addiction, they try to live off that experience uh, and just say, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to try to, I'll try to be better now. I'll try to be better now. And they still try to make their own decisions. And they're like, man, okay, it's Sunday. <sighs> I'm not going to come to church because I worked last night and I'm really tired. And, you know, it's just not super convenient this morning. I'm not feeling it. So they don't go to church. And then the next thing you know is, oh, you know, they start putting themselves in, in situations and around the wrong people. And they start kind of, they're kind of trying to do the Jesus thing. And they're still, and they're trying to kind of still doing their own thing. And the next thing you know, they're lost, they're gone, they're far away. But the person on the right side made the decision to follow Jesus. And then they, uh, let me see your Bible, Tanner. This will just help me. I know you can't see me, but this will just help me so much. The person on the right side made the decision to follow Jesus. And then they followed that decision by a second decision and said, okay, now that I am following Jesus, I'm going to make my life fit inside of this word from cover to cover. I'm going to take my thoughts. I'm going to take my actions. I'm going to take what I do and what I don't do. I'm going to take what I think, what I don't think. I'm going to take, I'm going to filter my finances through this book. I'm going to filter the way that I treat people through this book. I'm going to filter what I do with the days of my week through this book. And I am going to take Jesus's words, and I'm going to remain in them, and I'm going to obey, obey his commands. That is the difference between the person five years later who ended up in drug addiction and the person five years later who, who is being blessed by God. That that's what Jesus meant, that, you, that that's what it means to remain in Christ. Guys, so many people get saved and they drop off the map and the reason is, is they don't know how to remain. The, there's only one way to remain in Christ. You cannot walk out your Christianity off a high that you experienced in a camp meeting two years before. You won't remain. There's only one way to remain in Christ. And Jesus said, the way that you are going to remain, the way that this thing that I've done in your life is going to is going to go further than just today and go into next year and go into next year and go into next year and go into your children's lives and your grandchildren's life is when you now take my words and you obey them and you cause your life to fit inside of my commands from cover to cover. 
That's the way that we remain. And a lot of Christians, a lot of people don't get that. You know, that they don't make that decision that that we give our lives to Jesus and then we kind of just leave that experience and we think that that experience is going to be the key to blessing for the rest of our life. And it's not, they don't ever make the decision that now I've given my life to Jesus. There's another decision that I have to make that goes so much further than, than just repeating a prayer that I'm going to now force my life. I'm going to tell you too, it's not easy at first. When you grow up, living a certain way, thinking a certain way, being a certain way, it's really difficult. But I'm telling you that you can retrain your mind. You know, that literally Roman, the book of Romans says that God will transform you into a new creation by changing the way that you think. So you're wondering, maybe you're feeling like it's just so hard to be this person you're supposed to be. It's so hard to be free. It's so hard. How do all these other people just live for God? And it seems like it's so easy for them. We're going to get into a lot of those things this morning, but I'm going to tell you, they're not trying to be a new creation. They are a new creation. You know, an apple tree doesn't have to try to squeeze out apples. You know, the apple tree ain't sitting there going, you know, push, 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 and boom, it pops out an apple. Apples are a byproduct of apple trees and oranges are a byproduct of orange trees. When you are a new creation, you become like Christ. And the way the Bible says that is you become a new creation by transforming the way that you think. How do I transform the way that I think? I take this word and I put it before me and I start forming my mind. Well, this is what John thinks. Okay, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says something different. Then now I'm making the conscious uh, decision to, to act upon what the word of God says, not the thoughts that I have inside of my head or not the actions that I would prefer. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that when you do that, you'll start training, reframing your mind. And when you do that, the natural byproduct is you'll be a new creation. You'll look back in a year from now. If you took this word and said, I'm going to do what this word says. With, I'm going to give everything that I have to follow this word, which we're going to get to the benefits of doing that. Every decision that I make, I'm going to, I'm going to literally train myself for one year. I'm going to just live according to this book like it's a manual for life. You'll look back at that end of the year and you will be such a different person than you were when you started that journey because God will literally transform you into a new person by changing the way that you view the world. Aaron, you got anything to add to that yet? No? I'm going to take a... Today I came suited up. I brought my own water so I don't have to... <laughs> Look, this man is always coming into my house and insulting my water supply. Told him he could bring his own water. I'm so actually I'm, insulting at, your lack of water supply. Look at this right here. It's good quality water right from the refrigerator, guys. Don't let him tell you anything Well, he different. comes, you know, he comes and I'm like, Tanner, use wisdom. He comes and he's like... <clears throat> my stomach hurts and I'm having all these problems. And I'm like, dude, that's because I go to your house and you have nothing but Dr. Pepper and Mountain. You need to drink some water, man. And and I got some water out of his fridge last time we were recording. And it was like little floaties, bat soup. I don't know what the heck it was. Don't hit on my water, man. But anyway, so that is, if you're wondering, I'm going to tell you, I'll go ahead and say this. You may have gone through a journey where you're like, okay, 
I've went on mountain highs and I've went on valley lows and it seems like I get on fire for God and then my fire goes out. I get on fire for God and it just never sticks. I've had all these encounters. Maybe you've been to church camps. Maybe you've been to revival meetings. Maybe you've like, man, I've had these powerful encounters, but I always fall back. (coughs) Man, I'm so sorry. (coughs) Went down the wrong pipe. I always fall back. What is, ha- what is going on? I'm telling you right now, it is because you have not made the decision to take the word of God and literally force yourself to not disobey, not deviate from it whatsoever at all. That is the only way to remain in Christ. Jesus said is to remain in my words. And in verse 10 of John 15, he says, when you obey my commands, you remain. How easy is that? Man, we get into these deep theological things about the love and, you know, it's really easy. Jesus said, look, lip service is great. I want you to praise me. I want you to say that you love me. But at the end of the day, if you really, it's just as easy as this. Do what I said and stop doing what I said not to do. If you do what I said, if you remain in my word and you obey my commands, you will remain in me. And then when we remain in him, Look back at what we just read in John 15. You will produce much fruit. When you remain in me, I will prune you and you will produce much fruit. Every branch of mine that produces fruit, I prune and you will produce even more fruit. And this goes to the point number one. This is the key to answer prayer. Obey the word of God. If you got something you want to write down, write this down. Easy as this. Obey the word of God. The word of God is literally the key of blessing in your life. Y'all, so many people hate the prosperity gospel. They hate, they, you know, they're like, I just had a guy, some random dude. We have Jonathan Shuttlesworth coming to our church uh, the March 22nd through the 27th. If you haven't heard him, look him up, man. I'll tell you what, it's amazing. People are like, you know, hating on this, on this thing that they call the prosperity gospel. And I don't understand that. There is no separate message called the prosperity gospel. I'm telling you that the Bible says we're about to go through all these scriptures that when you do what the word of God says, the Bible promises physical, material, spiritual, uh, uh, prosperity and blessing in your life. You know, people totally get this wrong. That's what Jesus said. You remain in me. What does remain in him? He just said, doing, obeying my commands by keeping my word, you will produce fruit. So people come and they're like, I've heard people say, you know, try to attack me and use it against me and say, yeah, John teaches people that if they just have faith, you know, they'll be rich. That's not what I teach people whatsoever. I teach people that if they do what the word of God says, the word of God says it it will, the word in obeying the word, it will cause them to prosper in this life. We're about to go through scripture. You don't take it from me. Take it from the scriptures that I read. And so many people hate on that message. And I'm like, I just laugh. It doesn't even bother anymore because I'm like, how can you hate on me for literally reciting to you? directly word for word what the Bible says. Let's just go right into this. Oh, yeah. 
Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Oh, you know what? Let me jump back up because I was kind of jumping around in John 15. But the first point was obey the word of God. The key to blessing in your life, the key to fruit bearing in your life, the key to moving forward. And even Jesus said, if you remain in me, this is the key to answered prayer. If you remain in me, which we just covered, is obeying his word, uh, obeying his command, staying within the confines of his word. You can ask me for anything you want and it will be given to you. Man, that's amazing. The key to blessing in your life is obeying the word of God. The key, I'm going to say that three times. The key to blessing in your life is obeying the word of God. The key to blessing in your life is obeying the word of God. You're like, you cannot be blessed by God while disobeying his word. It's impossible. So many people are wondering why it's not happening for them because they're doing everything other than what the word of God says to do. You know, look at finances. We should jump on here and do a whole a whole talk one time about sowing and reaping and giving financially. You can pray on your knees all day long for God to increase you financially. But look, the Bible doesn't say pray and it will be given to you. J Jesus said in Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Right? Malachi chapter 3 doesn't say, well, if you just ask God and you just wish and man, you're really struggling and your family's is just really in lack right now and and you cry out and you really desire it. It'll, it says, bring your tithe, which is a tenth of your income, the tenth of what you earn and offering to the storehouse. And I will pour out a blessing so large you will not be able to contain it. I'll open the windows of heaven. Malachi 3 says. I mean, we could keep Proverbs 3, 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first fruits of everything you produce. Then your vats will overflow with good wine and your barns will be filled with grain. I mean, I'm giving you as examples here that you cannot be blessed and, and experience the blessing, experiencing the promises of God, trying to do it another way than, than the things that God has already told us to do. And so the key to blessing in your life is obey the word of God. I want to challenge you today. Obey the word of God. Man, stop doing it your way. Stop living your way. Stop thinking, you know, getting on YouTube and listening to some idiot that has no fruit, has no ministry. Nobody backs what they say, but they're, they're trying to convince people that, you, you know, there's this new age way of being and thinking and we have sin in our life and we tolerate the things that God told us to not tolerate. Stop even messing with those people. Do it God's way, what he said, and it will produce great blessing and fruit in your life. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. The, you know, the word joy jumps out to me. I'm going to tell you, anybody that's walking in the real blessing of God is not looking at the world and like feeling like, man, I sure am missing out. I sure am giving up a life of pleasure and all these other great things and 
partying and all these fun things that I could be drinking and, and the, you know, all these other things I could be doing. I'm, I'm just giving them up and I'm suffering for Christ. And I'm telling you the joys, when you obey the word of God, it doesn't restrict your life. It blesses your life and it becomes a joy. When you start experiencing the blessing of God that I'm talking about, that Jesus was talking about in John 15, you don't look at the rest of the world. You don't look at people in the world that are doing those things and say, man, oh, that sure does look a lot better than my life right now. You're like, oh my gosh, my life is so amazing that I get to live blessed. I get to prosper. I get to succeed. And I don't have to go to hell when I die. I get a reward waiting for me in heaven. It is a joy when you get to experience the blessing of God that I'm talking about. The joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Verse 2 of Psalms 1. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So this Psalms 1 is talking about somebody that, again, they delight in the law of the Lord. What am I talking about the law of the Lord? The word of God. Somebody that delights in the Bible. I'm going to tell y'all, the Bible is not some... I don't get up and read my Bible because I'm a Christian and I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's like my religious duty is... Oh, reading the Word of God, I know I need to read my chapter, my three chapters today, and dang, I know that that's what. No, it, the, when the this is what the Bible says: they delight in the law of the Lord. I want you to think of this. You know that that there's a chest, a treasure chest, and inside of that treasure chest is every resource you could ever imagine, every blessing you could ever imagine, every amazing and good thing that could ever be poured out onto your life. And somebody gives you the key, you know, that, that's exactly what God has given us. He says, here is the blessing, here is everything that you can have in the word of God is the key to open up the chest and receive those things. And so it becomes a delight. It becomes amazing. I don't get into the word and like, Oh, it's on my checklist. I know that's, I get into the word of God and I'm saying, man, that God has promised me, which we'll get to in verse three, what will happen that if I take this word, it becomes a delight. It becomes something that I love to do because of the promises that are waiting for me and the blessing it will add to my life when I take that word and I act according to it. It says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Meditate on the word on the word of God day and night. So somebody that gets into the Bible and just fills their heart with it, fills their mind with it, and puts it in the forefront of their mind day and night. I'm not talking about the Christians that the only thought that you have about Jesus is when you show up to church on Sunday morning and then you know you go through your week and you do your own thing. I am talking about again remaining the Christian that has made that the second that the second decision and said man I am going to walk according to this word and in order to walk according to this word I need to know what this word says and I'm going to put it before me and I'm going to think about it I'm going to pray about it I'm going to meditate on it this is what the Bible says will happen if you do that look at this in verse three people that do that are like trees planted along the riverbank 
bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper. Well, I just don't like that that message of prosperity. Well, then don't read the Bible because that's not a word that I've made up. That's a that's a word the Bible uses. They prosper in all they do. They're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit in each season. I'm going to tell you all this. <clears throat> you know, so many Christians use this term, burnout. If you feel burnt out in your life, you are not abiding in the Word of God. If you feel like I, you've ever been in a place of just, I'm burnt out, I'm just not, you know, I just don't have any desire. I don't have any passion. I'm going to guarantee you that if you looked at the last month of your life, you've probably spent little to zero time in the Word of God. And if you have spent any time in the Word of God, you haven't invested a whole lot of time in, on, in acting on the Word of God. Because the, that's what the Bible says, is that you will be like a tree planted by, not not a tree planted out in the desert, like where I'm from, New Mexico, you know, I'm going to tell y'all, we live in East Texas here. There's It rains like 300 days a year here. There's con, there's water everywhere. There's rain all the time. The trees here are green. They're alive. There ain't no tree here that's dying of heat stroke in East Texas. And that's what the Bible promises us is that you will be like a tree planted by the river. You will constantly be nourished. You'll constantly be alive. It says that they bear fruit in each season. When you start walking according to the word of God, you are not uh, living by the by the system of the world anymore. People say, well, what about when the oil field crashes? You will bear fruit in each season. What about if the economy crashes? You will bear fruit in each season. Amen. I'll tell you that there's a preacher. Uh, was his name Billy Sunday? He's an old evangelist. I don't want to get this wrong, so you guys don't crucify me if I'm if I'm wrong on the on the on the name of the person, but the story's true. You know, there was a, a evangelist during the first uh, the Second World War in the first I'm sorry the First World War and following the First World War. You know, when the Great Depression hit, uh, <clears throat> that the the economy collapsed. People were it was like America almost turned into like this third world country, and it's noted that this man back in the twenties. He would have these meetings as a Christian, and in the Great Depression, you know, he was still bringing in thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a meeting back in the night. I mean, think about that money correlated to today. I mean, that's just crazy, and that's what the Bible promises: is that you will bear fruit in each season. You won't live subject to the world. It doesn't matter what happens to the economy. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't. Your well-being and your prospering won't depend on if Bernie Sanders gets elected in the White House. You as a believer will bear fruit in each season. Your leaves never wither and you will prosper in all you do. If you take the word of God and meditate on it, delight in it, meditate on it day and night. That's a promise from the word of God. Let's go to the next scripture here. Look at this. Deuteronomy 28, <clears throat> if, 13 through 14, Deuteronomy 28, if you listen to these commands, y'all, I'll go ahead and say this too. The greatest lie 
that a Christian could ever think is that you have no part to play. Jesus just did it all, and I just live, and and I just kind of do my thing, and it, I don't have any responsibility. I don't have anything that's been put on me. There's nothing required of me. That is absolute. If you live like that, you will never prosper. You will never increase if you think like that and you live like that. Deuteronomy 28, he says, if you listen to these commands, if. The Lord didn't say, hey, I like you, and because I like you, I'm just going to do this for you. He said, if you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them. What is the commands of the Lord? Again, we're talking about our command as New Testament believers is still the word of God. I'm not just talking about the law of Moses and the Old Testament. The If you are a Christian, which we're going to get to this in a moment as well, you are commanded to live according to the word of God. And I'll break that down further. So put yourself in this scripture. I want you to see this. So instead of reading it as if you say, if I, if I listen to these commands of the Lord, if I hold your Bible up, if you have it. If I listen to what this word says that God is giving me today, if I carefully obey it, here's a a problem with a lot of Christians is we just don't live carefully. We live carelessly. We're not careful with our decisions. You know, someone makes you mad and, and pisses you off. You just fly off the handle. We don't think about our words. We don't think about our actions. We don't think about what we do and what we don't do. And we, we, we're, we're not obeying, carefully obey them. Mark out your steps is what the, the book of Proverbs says. You know, you need to know what you're going to do. Carefully obey them. Carefully look at your life and constantly do an inventory, do a self-check and say, is my life deviating from the scripture? Is my life in any way, am I living in disobedience to the word of God? carefully obey them. If I listen to these commands, if I carefully obey them, I declare this over your life according to the word of God. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always, not sometimes, you will always be on top and never the bottom. Verse 14 though, here's a warning. You must not turn away from the word of God, from the commands I'm giving you today nor follow after other gods and worship them. (coughs) That only works if you live according to the word. God just said in verse 14, here's the warning though. Here's my promise. If you take this word, you listen to what it says, you carefully obey it, do what it says. I'll make you the head, never the tail. I'll make you on top, never the bottom. But if you turn away, if you start doing your own thing, if you don't abide in Christ and abide in the word of God and you just kind of pop in and you pop out and you're someone that just you do you, you believe in God, but you kind of do your own thing. He says, if you don't obey the word in that way, if you turn away. Then these this won't apply to you, this blessing will not apply to you, these promises will not apply to you. I'll ask you a question. You know. If you are living in direct violation of the word of God, 
These blessings don't apply to you, and they you will not experience them. Period. God is not a liar. You're not the exception. Well, I still really would like the Lord to bless me, but I'm still, you know, having sex with my girlfriend or my boyfriend like every other Friday night. But, you know, his grace, he forgives me. This, the blessing doesn't apply to you. You're not taking the word. You are not making your decisions and, and, and forcing yourself to obey the word of God. And so because of that, this blessing, this blessing is only contingent on if you obey what they say and do what it says. Joshua 1, 7 through 8. This is when God was passing the baton of leadership from Moses to Joshua. In verse 7 of Joshua 1. The Lord tells Joshua, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful. I want you to see this again. Be careful. This is a warning to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, look, once you take your life and you take the word of God and you do not deviate, I'll say this to you. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Doing some of the things that God says, but some of the things that you think, that's still disobedience. Doing 90% of what God says, but then violating 10% is still 100% disobedience. And people don't understand that. That's legalism. Well, then don't be blessed. Because you have to do what God said to get the result that he promised. He said, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, I want you to say in your in your heart, say it out loud where you're at. Say, then you will be successful. Not before. You won't be successful if you don't do this. Only when you do this, then you will be successful in everything you do. He told them in verse 8, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Again, only then when you do that will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. The Bible says study the book of instruction. Again, what is our book of instruction? If you're a Christian, it is the Bible. Study the book of instruction continually so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Guys, you cannot walk out what you don't know. You cannot receive a blessing that you do not have understanding of. You cannot have a promise from God in your life and see fruit produced in your life that you're ignorant of. The the biggest problem that a lot of Christians have is that we put this Bible on our nightstands and we leave it there and we don't touch it. We don't read it. We don't understand it. We don't pursue the word of God and delight in the word of God. God told Joshua, study it continually. Why? Because if you study it continually, you can know what it says. And if you know what it says, then you can walk according. If you don't know what the Bible says, you cannot walk according to what it tells you to do. So put the dots, connect the dots together. It's impossible to live in the blessing of God and not live in the word of God. In order to have the blessing of God active in your life and constantly be producing fruit, you have to have a life uh, where you are in the word of God continually. 
that you have a lifestyle of living, abiding, remaining, meditating, putting it at the forefront of everything you do, everything you think, everything you feel, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Here's a good way to gauge it. You know, I love this around our church. Tanner can testify to this. You can't really have a conversation with a lot of people for very long until the Word of God or Jesus starts being talked about. You know why? Because the Bible says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can know right now that if the Word of God is in your heart, you know, have you went to work for three days? And, you know, not one thing about Jesus, not one thing about the word of God has came out of your mouth. When the word of God is in you and in your heart, uh, you will. That's one way you can gauge it. Look at how you're acting. Look at how you're talking. That's a very easy way to gauge if you live a life that is consumed by the word of God. If it's coming out of you. You got anything you want to throw in there? No. Okay. Let me see here. People calling me for insurance all the time, trying to get me to buy insurance. I'm going to tell you this. The Bible is not given. When you start understanding the Bible, what was Tanner laughing? He's dying over here. He's watching stupid videos. When you understand the Bible... You understand that God has not given this these instructions to us to to all those scriptures I just read. God has not given us these instructions to restrict our life. God has not given us these instructions uh, because He doesn't want us to have joy. He doesn't want us to have fun. He doesn't. He wants to restrict us. He gave us this book to bless us. Every plot, everything that when you see follow the word of God, there's always a blessing tied with following the word of God. I'm going to tell y'all, look, God's a lot smarter than you and he's a lot smarter than me. Amen. The one that spoke the stars and the sun and the moon into existence that created the ground that you're standing on right now. He says, look, the way that you think the world actually works is not the way the world works. The way that Satan has tried so hard to to convince you that the world works is not the way the world works. If you actually take these instructions, this is a manual to how the world really works. This is a manual to how things in the spirit really work. If you will do what I say, it will produce a blessing and produce prosperity in your life, produce fruit in your life that will be far greater than anything that you could ask, think, imagine, fathom. Your life will be blessed if you follow the word of God. I'm going to, you know, I'll kind of wrap it up with this thought. Maybe not. I don't know. We're going to keep going with what the Lord puts on my heart. I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. But when you give your life to Jesus, Really, there's more than one decision that you need to make. It's more than just putting your faith. It's more than just repeating a prayer. That I want to. I want to just give you some insight on even how the world works. Okay, step one of Christianity is submitting to the guidelines of the scriptures. That God intends for every person 
that you're not supposed to just come to Jesus blindly. You're not supposed to just say this prayer because of an emotional response that you have. I'm going to read the scripture to you about counting the cost. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it to you while we're talking about it. Luke 14, and then I'll get back to what I was saying. Jesus said this, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's a person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Don't begin until you count the cost. This is a lie that the church has tried to push Y'all, is that we will we will do anything, we'll allow anything, we'll preach anything just to fill the room up. But I'm going to tell you, when you preach the true word of God, it fills a room up. That God will fill, the anointing of God will bring people, will Christ, you lift Christ up. The Bible says, if I, Christ said, I'm sorry, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, is what Jesus said. But we've, we've started thinking, man, I want to build this house, I want to build... Like it's a business and we just need people to come in here and tithers and money. And so we'll just start uh, kind of presenting Jesus in a way that you can still do you, but yet you can still have Jesus and you don't have to really take it that serious. Just come, just come. And we, and we build this doctrine, but that's not what Jesus said at all. He said, no, everybody, you need to consider the cost before you come. You need to consider what you're agreeing to. And the fundamental thing of, of what we're going to look at, even as an organization, you have to understand is saying yes to Jesus is making the decision that I'd no longer live for me, but my life now has to operate inside the guidelines of the Bible, of the scriptures. If you say, yeah, I mean, I'll put my faith in Jesus. I'll, I'll respond to the altar call, but, you know, I still, I still want to go home and, you know, smoke weed and I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you that that's, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a believer. I'm not anybody that's going to preach this message and say, okay, well then let's pray. And well, you've just gotten your access to heaven. No, Jesus literally understood. Know what you're saying yes to. You need to understand what you're saying yes to. I'll tell you this, this is how an organization works. You know, we've just uh, got a church off the ground. We we started a, it was an existing church, but we, we broke away. We bought the building. We just signed papers today. God's supernaturally, y'all, I'm not preaching these messages, you know, not living and seeing fruit from it. Again, we've, we've had $97,000 come forward and we have no loan from the bank. Uh, God has provided the, the money through a member of our church and, and just provided everything that we need we're not having to operate according to the world system. We've seen God do all these things supernaturally. But anyway, so in that process, we've been, uh, you know, we've been establishing the church legally. And in establishing the church, you know, you have to go through all these legal guidelines and and what it requires to be a legal organization uh, and the things that you have to have. And so, when you're filing for, for a 501 or just even just establishing yourself uh, legally as, a, as an organization, there's different things that you have to do. And one of those things is you have to have bylaws. So when you establish an organization, you have to have bylaws. And so 
basically bylaws is, you know, I've learned this. Bylaws is is the the rule book that you're saying as an organization, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. This is how we operate. And as an organization, those are legal documents. You are not allowed to operate outside of your bylaws that have been set in place. Actually, you know, if the state or government, I don't know how that really works, but if they came in and could prove that your organization was operating outside uh, of the bylaws that have been established, then you would you could actually cease to exist as an organization. And I'm telling y'all, I want you to think of this. This is the same thing with Christianity, that that's how the world works. That's just simple understanding and logic. Why do we think as Christians... I can come to Jesus, I can be saved, I can be a part of all this, but I, I get to pick and choose what I do and what I don't do. I get to pick and choose how what guidelines I operate in and what guidelines I don't operate in. I'm telling you guys right now, we can't, as, as a church, I can't set our, we, we set our bylaws. I can't show up Monday morning and say, well, you know, I think we're going to honor sections three and four, but we're not going to honor sections five and six this week. We can't do that. We Those are legal documents. And we have to operate according to those documents, according to those bylaws, to continue as the organization that we have sta- established. Jesus said, count the cost. When you are saying yes to him, you're not. you're saying, I'm not going to pick and choose. I'm not going to do some things that I want. I'll honor some things that I want, but the things that I still like doing, I still want to hold on to, I'm still going to do my way. It's either all or nothing. That has been one of the greatest lies that the devil has brought to this generation right now is that that there's you know this lukewarm Christianity. Jesus said himself, I would rather you be hot or cold that those who are lukewarm, I will spew out of my mouth. That's the greatest lie that there ever was. It's a scary thought that there is no lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, you're not a part. If you're taking some of these things and not taking all of these things, you're not a part. You Just logically, you cannot be. I'll give you an example here. I won't drop any names, but I'll say, thank the Lord. He dropped out of the race today for president. I'll give you that much. You can connect the dots if you want. But this person, you know, again, no condemnation, no hate. But I'm just saying this. It's not true. Made uh, claims to be an evangelical Christian and a homosexual. I'm going to tell you right now, it is actually impossible to be both of those things. You can't. Why can't you? Because according to our bylaws, according to what it means to be a Christian, according to our standard that we say yes to, look, you don't have to be a Christian. That's the thing. You don't have to be. Jesus never forced anybody. But don't say, well, I belong to this group of people. I belong to this faith. I belong to this body. Yet I'm over here doing this other thing. You can't. Jesus said, it's either all or nothing. If you say yes, this is what you're saying yes to. And so this person made claims that he was an evangelical Christian, but also a homosexual. He's lying. He's not. He's not an evangelical Christian if he's a homosexual. Why? Let me read you scripture. Not because John says, because our quote unquote, you know, bylaws 
that we have to operate according to says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? You know, here's the thing. If you don't inherit the kingdom of God, you don't belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, you inherit the kingdom of God. So all the things that I'm about to list literally say, if you are partaking in those things, you don't belong to Christ. You can use simple logic to conclude that. (coughs) He says, again, don't fool yourself. Those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. I'll give you some hope. He says in verse 11, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. But again, why is it impossible for that man to claim to be both of those things? Because in claiming being a homosexual, he's literally going against the bylaws. If you go against the contract, if you go against the guidelines, if you go against our rule book and our handbook of, of how we can and can't operate in life, you do not exist as a part of the body or the organization. I just I'm just giving you some simple logic. I want everybody to really understand this. When you give your life to Jesus, it is more than just a prayer. It is more than just an experience. It is more than just tears and snot bubbles and goosebumps. You are saying, you need to decide when you give your life to Jesus. Now, okay, I came, I encountered. Now, am I going to be somebody that that drifts away or am I going to be the one that remains as Jesus said, remain. How do I remain? Do what I say. Take my book, take my commands and obey them. And in doing that, you will remain in Christ, is what Jesus said. Amen. You got anything with that, man? Yeah? No? Tanner didn't get to preach. He was our he listened to the sermon Sunday. He was in the back helping the children's church, which is a great blessing to us. So he's just actually hearing this stuff for the first time as well. So here, let me just quick, quickly go over this real quick. Quickly go over this real quick. Man, i totally getting that uh, East Texas logic right now. Quickly going over this real quick in a quick manner fashion. That's so tempted to take it out of pocket. <laughs> just take it out. It's aesthetically <laughs> pleasing, the quickly quickness. All right, um, I'm going to go back to John 15. If you have your Bible, you can turn back where I started with all this. So we talked about, you know, keys to answered prayers. And this was more than just a key to answered prayer. This is a key to answered prayer, a key to prosperity, a key to blessed life, a key to producing fruit, a key to all of those things. But I'm also going to give you now the opposite that in not doing this, it is actually a hindrance to all of those things. And in not obeying the word of God, it is it will hinder you from bearing fruit in your life. It will hinder you from receiving answers to your prayers. It will hinder you from prospering and being blessed. Uh, 
The exact opposite, everything that I said, the exact opposite is true if you walk in disobedience to the word of God. John 15, 5, Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, right? What did we say remaining was? Jesus said himself, it's, a, it's walking according to his word. He says, but apart from me, so apart from his word, we can just deduct that. Apart from his word, apart from me, you can do nothing. A simple thing, y'all. This seems like third grade education. You know, if that's where you're at, God bless you. God will give you wisdom. I'm not in no way hating on you, but uh, it's so easy. If things are not clicking in your life, if the blessing of God, you're not seeing the blessing in your life, you're not seeing all those promises. You're like, man, I put my hands to things. I go to work and it's like I don't have money in my pocket. It's never enough that it seems like every time I get up, I'm just falling down. I can never move forward. You're wondering why? Why is that happening? Ask yourself this question. Am I deviating from the word of God? For one, if you know that you're that you're living in a disobedience, fix it. Repent. Don't just say I'm sorry, God, okay, and keep doing it. Repentance literally means changing your mind, changing the way you think, changing direction. Repent today. Say, Lord, no, okay. I am forcing that out of my life and forcing that area of my life to now fall into your word. But I'm gonna tell you too, God doesn't bless ignorance. Y'all, if you're listening to this, and maybe this will go past the United States, I don't know. But y'all, we don't live in South Korea. We don't live in China. We don't live in a, a you know a, a, a nation or a country that restricts the gospel, that makes it super hard. God does not look at you and say, oh, you know, poor little, uh, let's just say Julie or Amy or Sarah. Some random, yeah, let's say poor little Jackie. She, you know, she's living in violence. She's sinning against my word. She's in disobedience to my word, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know any better. Y'all, you can go down to Walmart and spend $14 and buy you a Bible. If you knew that the key to life, the key to blessing your life, prospering your life, multiplying you in every single area of your life, would just take a $14 investment to go and get the word of God. I'm going to tell y'all, that's not going to be a valid excuse when we stand before Christ one day. I'm an American. I had all I had all the time. I had every opportunity, Lord, to know what your word says, to know what you require of me, to know what you've said. But God, I'm just going to be honest. I didn't know. I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. And God says, well, you didn't know because Facebook was more important than my word and you didn't take the time to know what my word says. That's not going to be a valid, a valid excuse. You know, get so again, get into the word of God and start challenging yourself. Am, is my life lining up with what this says? Proverbs 9, 3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. (laughs) People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at God. I see this happen all the time, that things fall apart, 
in someone's life and it's not working and they shake our, we shake our fist to heaven and say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? And God's saying, what? Your decisions, your disobedience has caused your, this is what the Bible says. God is a God of justice. Don't mock the justice of God. You will always reap what you've sowed. If you're reaping crap, then you've been sowing it. It's just plain and simple. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord, saying, God, why did you do this? Again, a quick and easy, simple fix to just tell you this. Life will never work if you are in disobedience to the Word of God. It will never work. doesn't matter how hard you pray. doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how hard you wish or desire or you try to make it happen and make it work. It will never work when you live in disobedience to the word of God. Last scripture, and I'm going to let you go with this, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses of, of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. The Bible gives us a key here. Look, sin will trip you up. Living in sin and trying to accomplish the will, the purpose, the plan that God has for your life is like trying to run a marathon with your shoelaces tied together. You get up, and you're like, man, I don't know what's going on. Every time I take a step forward, it's like I fall down. Every time I try to move forward, it's like I'm just, I can't take more than half a step and then I'm falling back down again and it's not working. Well, maybe look at the word of God and say, is there sin in my life? Because if there's sin in your life, it will trip you up and be a weight that hinders you from the life that God wants you to have. Y'all, I'm going to leave you with that. I think there's a plenty there for you to meditate on, for you to chew on. Uh, take a big O bite and just munch on for a little. <laughs> Tanner, you got any final thoughts, man? Anything you want to add? No. Father, I pray that you bless. I don't even have to pray, Lord. I want to just change that. I declare your word. You will bless every person today that makes the decision to take your word and live according to it. Very simple, very easy. It's not hard to figure out. To take your word and start changing every, if it takes changing 99% of what consists of their life, let somebody rise up and decide, I am not going to be one that just comes. I'm not going to be one that just gets saved. I'm going to be one that remains in Christ. And I cross over that line to being somebody that is faithful. That somebody that Jesus said, now you've crossed over from being somebody that just came to now you have proven that you remain in me by obeying my word. Now ask me for what you want and I will give it to you. The blessing of God will come upon your life that you will prosper, that you will succeed. You will be blessed in your job, what you put your hand to, that doors will open up for promotion, that 
Your family will be blessed. That sickness and disease will be removed from your family. That you will not have to live this life subject to everything that Satan throws at you. Every little bit of bondage. Uh, every attack that he brings before you, that you will face things, but you will walk in the authority of Christ, in the blessing of the Lord. Where Psalms 91 says that he will keep every plague from your house, that you don't have to fear the arrows that fly by the day or the disease that stalks by the night. The Lord will send angels that will guard and protect you. The favor will be upon your life from this day forward. Something shifts. Lord, I pray that somebody would not just take this and just pray this little prayer and 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 want an immediate thing, but as they begin to walk according to your word, they will become a tree. The difference between a tree and a fruit basket is once you eat the fruit basket, you have no more fruit, but once you become a tree, like Psalms 1 says, you have fruit the rest of your life. You get to eat and eat and eat and eat, And you never run out because there's a well, there's a spring, there's a tree that's inside of you that's constantly producing, that Christ is pruning to produce even more. So many people right now, they're wanting an immediate fix. And you are the God of immediate miracles. I've seen that happen. Lord, if there, but I just feel led in my spirit today that you're wanting to to grow somebody, to not just eat today, to not just solve the little problem that they're worried about, but give them the solution that they need that'll carry them for the rest of their lives, Lord. If there's anybody today listening to this and they have faith saying, I know that God can heal me. I'm battling with sickness. I'm battling with disease. I'm here to tell you right now that that is a demonic spirit. That's not just life. That's not just the way it is. Uh, in this world, then you just have to live subject. That is a demonic spirit. If you have faith, I want you to lift your hand right now as a sign of faith. And I am nothing about me, nothing about my power, but Jesus said, you will cast out demons. These signs will follow those who believe. You will speak to the mountain and command it to move. Why? Because we speak to it. Jesus said, speak to it using my name. Ask using my name. And we speak with not our power or our authority, but with the authority of Jesus Christ. So I want you to lift your hands. And as somebody who is wanting to receive, receive this as if it was a word coming out of the mouth of Jesus himself. Demon, I command you to leave. Sickness, I command you to flee. I break your power. Leave right now in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your blessing right now over every person. Lord, I pray this last thing. Jesus gave us instructions that when a spirit leaves, it goes into the wilderness. But I'm going to tell you, every if it's poverty that's been broken off, if it's a spirit of, if it's addiction, if it's sickness, if it's a disease, whatever that demonic thing is, it goes and it leaves, and God sets you free and He heals you. But it says that that spirit comes back, and it will come back. That those symptoms, those things, they will try to come back to you. But this is where it's so important that you become somebody that doesn't just receive for a moment, but I'm going to now remain. I'm going to walk this out. I'm going to walk the walk. 
I'm going to talk the talk. I'm not just getting my house clean today. I'm keeping my house clean from now on. It says the spirit comes back and it finds the house clean, swept, and in order. And it goes and gets seven more spirits that are more powerful than itself to come back and overtake the house. Right now, get rid of sin. And get rid of anything that Satan could use as a foothold, as access into your house. Keep the door shut. Anything that is opening the door to let that spirit, to let that sickness, to let any of those things come back and afflict you or your family members, shut the door today and make the decision to abide, to get in the word of God and remain in Christ. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening and be blessed.